Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Rob Porter on 970 WDYAM, 93.1 FM, 701-293-9000 is your local number, 888-970-9329. It's a toll-free number. You can certainly email as well, talk at WDYAM.com, or uh, tweet me, too, at Rob Port. We're going to jump right into things here. Uh, North Dakota University System Chancellor Mark Hagerot joins me. Mr. Hagerot, how are you? Well, Rob, thanks for having me. I always enjoy being on your show. I always enjoy having you. We uh, obviously had uh, some stories about you this week. Uh, one was a uh, 2016 report um, that was, I, I think maybe even you would agree, was was not entirely flattering. Uh, also, story today with the state lawmaker, Representative Roscoe Striley, saying that uh, a recent hi- a firing of, of Vice Chancellor Lisa Feldner uh, had something to do with you wanting to hire a, quote, Navy buddy. Um, and I, I want to get your, your comments on both of these, and, and maybe we'll start with the latter first. Uh, I, I can tell you Representative Striley is not the first person I've heard that from. I have been getting emails uh, for a few weeks now from, from people um, who are, are looking sort of askance at, at your decision to hire uh, Mr. Philip Weiskup, who uh, certainly has, has a very uh, wonderful resume and, and, and is a, a you know, very good background, but some people having a problem with that process. What's your response to them? Well, thanks for the question. And, um, you know, the reality is he is uh, a highly, highly qualified uh, former college president, former faculty member, um, did strategic studies. And we had a vacant position um, for advice chancellor for strategy. And we had money to uh, hire for uh, about one year. And as we looked at our strategic uh, initiative, you know, just like Roundtable, we're now doing Envision 2030. The next few months are crucial. We're having offsites with the presidents. Uh, we're partnering with the legislature, who are incredibly supportive of this effort. And to not have a vice chancellor strategy during that time, it was completely reversed. So there was money in the bank. It had nothing to do with uh, Dr. Feldner's uh, departure and wish her well. Uh, but this was a hire to help uh, the North Dakota uh, strategy development that will lead to a summit in the spring and some probably some pretty profound changes. Uh, and he's a highly, highly qualified um, and also, we were never served together. I never worked for him. We knew each other by our work on workforce and advanced technology, uh, and that's that's the story behind that. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand. If you want to join in, eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Did you have an open position? My understanding was that the legislature had eliminated that position. No, no, it didn't. and I and I appreciate. Just you know, Representative Striley is is a visionary on technology. We're actually working on. Thing we call emerging technology initiative. I'm going to be speaking up at Minot uh, next week on unmanned systems. So I just want to be clear that uh, I, I think his vision of the future of technology and what on the Minot area. Uh, you know, uh, Phil is a former military guy before military. I know Roscoe likes military people with the Minot Air Force Base there. So you know, I would hope that he would welcome him as a human being, uh, even though you know he obviously is concerned about our budget. So uh, so no, that that position was not closed. It was there. We are just you know, and I would just say this. Phil, this, you know, former college president is working for a much reduced salary and gave up his medical benefits um, and just relying on his military benefits, which cost him something. So he was okay. more than a team player. Yeah. And, you know, yesterday, as we were looking at space, he offered to move in a cubicle 
with the junior staff officers here. The guy won the leadership okay. award like in uh, the Atlantic Fleet when he was younger. That's the type of guy he is, right. and I hope you can meet him sometime. And I, well, and I, I actually, I've, I've spoken on the phone with him, and again, I think his his service record and his resume is impressive. But here's, I mean, here's here's the timeline as as I think some of your critics are looking at it. Uh, you you wanted to hire this guy. You reached out to him directly, as Mr. Weisscup himself said. He was living in Ohio at the time, having left his position. Uh, at a think tank in, in Rhode Island with the incoming of the Trump administration. Uh, he was in Ohio. You reached out to him and offered him a job. You brought him to North Dakota. You signed a, a, a an agreement with him, understanding that he, at some point, you were going to try to get him more money. You went to the governor's office to get him more money. Uh, as you just said, he left Ohio to come to North Dakota and gave up benefits and, and took a reduced salary for a temporary position that's going to last a year or less than a year. I think a lot of people are looking at all these pieces, and then a month and a half later, as you're looking for money, uh, Dr. Feldner, who has a very long history of, of sound service in, in the university system, uh, gets fired. I, I think a lot of people are looking at those pieces and putting them together, and it looks like you selected somebody from the Navy who you like to, to bring up here as your personal candidate uh, and then sort of just made it happen and pushed it through. Uh, um, I mean, yeah, well, it, let me address yeah, that. I mean, actually, I mean, do, do you understand um, that perception? No, no. Uh, Dr. Feldner was IT, networks, data. Um, Phil is strategy, uh, human capital development. Uh, he came here to serve North Dakota. Like one of his good friends was in the Medora Musical and said, this place is so beautiful. Um, you know, uh, Phil is, uh, you know, in his 60s, and uh, he served for decades in the military, bronze star winner, veteran of two wars. You know, he doesn't have a home base like many of us, and, and so he fell in love with the place when he got here, quite frankly. Um, and so even after he's done with this, with this position, um, I think he's, he really loves our state. He was stunned at the beauty of it. So I would take that as a compliment. Well, but they're com- two completely different positions, uh, and so he can't do her job. So there's, there's no connection there. I just can assure you that. Okay. Well, th- there's obviously a connection within your budget, though, because you went to the governor's office looking for, for funds. But then also... Okay, well, can, I, can I address that? Um, for the okay, governor's office, North Dakota, and this is to help Minot. Just so you know, I'm a big ally of Minot. And Roscoe and I have talked about this. Um, Phil is an expert in military background. From what we can find, there's not a single company in North Dakota that's in the National Defense Industrial Association. Not a single one. We want to build the economy of Minot. I want to partner with Roscoe to build some defense portfolio, and Phil Weiskup has a top-secret clearance. And so the reason I reached out to, actually, Jay Schuler is so that if they could work on unmanned systems research, he could go to the meetings. There were meetings in Washington a few weeks ago, Rob. They invited North Dakota to come for classified research opportunities that could be at Minot State University or UND. We couldn't send anybody because we had nobody who had a clearance in academia. Phil helped solve that because he has a top-secret clearance. He's one of the most respected Special background investigation, SITK, you know, right. I mean, he, he's the type of guy who can go into a meeting with a vice chancellor title saying North Dakota can do this research. Minot can do this research. Well, I think, and I, I would think, hope, uh, I you think, know, when Roscoe meets I, him, he'll welcome him as a part of the Minot sure. enterprise. I think we've still got a lot to say here. Can you hold through the break? Sure. I'll, I'll, yeah, stay as long as I can. I've got a few more minutes. Uh, Okay, sounds good. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back with Chancellor Mark Hagerot. If you want to call in, 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Rob Report on 970 WDAY AM, 93.1 FM, talking with 
uh, Chancellor Mark Hagerot. And I mean, there's there's been some a little bit of turmoil, you know, about some recent hires and, and some other issues. Um, and and I I guess there's just you know again I'm I'm hearing it from a lot of people. Do you regret any of the steps you took in hiring Philip Weisscup in, into the North Dakota University system? Do you wish now, given some of the reaction, that you'd done anything differently? No, I I mean I am so honored to have him here. If I forgot to mention, he was the former chief auditor of the Navy. So he's helping us with auditing campuses. And if you want to look at what he did, he stood up in his history to some really complicated academic uh, you know, uh, shenanigans and called out um, a, a scheme to overpay um, people while we're cutting sailors and cutting soldiers in the field. He took on the heat. So you can look into his background and see what he did. He stood for what was right, and he's already helping advise our audit committee and our auditors. Uh, so, no, we should be so proud that a guy from Ohio comes here to help. And, again, back to Minot, we have on our list to come up there. We want Minot to become a hub for unmanned research at Minot, not well, just UMB. Okay? Yeah. So, so it'll be – when well, you get to know him, you'll like him. I have no regrets, and I'm okay. honored he'd come well, I, here. And I, 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 have, I have no – I've, I've, I've already spoken with him. I think he's a great guy. Let me why – was, why was Lisa Feldner fired? You know, she was uh, let uh, go without cause. Okay? You know, there's a couple designations – and this one, I wish her the very best. Uh, and North Dakota has a provision where you're paid uh, a very generous six-month salary and, and wish her well. Uh, and, uh, and it's without cause. And that's how it works. I mean, but do you understand, I mean, when, when people are connecting the dots to saying you needed room in your budget for to f- hire Mr. Weisscup, and then you can't get it because the governor's office said, no, we don't have room in our budget either. You can't find the money anywhere. And then all of a sudden, she just gets fired, and you're telling us it's, it's really for no reason at all. And we're not supposed to see a connection between these events? No, no I mean, the, the, the money's there for him. He's got a, about a 10-month contract to get us through um, these important uh, steps here. And again, he doesn't have an IT background. Okay. Uh, okay. So, so, yeah, but I'd like to talk if we can, because there's been a lot of stuff about the 10th of June, and there's some very important stuff there, and I regret some of the attacks on my leadership. So I would really yeah, like to let's, time, let's, Rob, let's to talk, talk about, about, about that. that, because we did, yeah, we did, we did have uh, a memo that came out that, you know, and obviously, to give context, we were in the middle of a very heated uh, Republican gubernatorial primary, which, given the political realities of this state, that Republican primary is essentially the election. Uh, between Wayne Stengem and Doug Burgum, one of the university presidents, former Governor Ed Schaefer, who was interim president at UND at the time, uh, came out and endorsed Doug Burgum. There were some people who were unhappy about that. There were some open records qu- requests put in by one of my colleagues here at Forum Communications, uh, Grand Forks Herald, uh, former Grand Forks Herald reporter Anna Burleson. Uh, and, and, you know, according to, to the report, uh, you know, requested by uh, Kathy Nesset, who was at the time the, the chairman of the Board of Higher Education. Uh, the report said you didn't handle the request for, for that, um, for those records very well. You were very agitated. You used some inappropriate language. Run us through some of that. Yeah, well, first I want to thank you for your astute observations, because I've been talking to some journalists that try to report without context, and, and, uh, and so thank you, because uh, I, I had to spend several minutes providing context for somebody else and also uh, the other context, which we'll get to. So, yeah, the 10th of June was a big day uh, for higher ed, and I think I'm proud of my board, and I'm proud of senior leaders in our state because it was very charged politically, and I won't recount. You got it exactly right. And, and I, um, I consulted our lawyer. He's a brave guy, and he said that uh, the President Schaefer had his constitutional rights to do what he did. And there was enormous pressure 
very, very charged political environment and people. And I hope it was, you know, it's all behind us now, but they tried to use the state board uh, organization, particularly me, to um, disavow Schaefer or in some cases fire him. Um, and it was a fairly energized meeting. Um, and uh, we got through it. And, and I've got to credit the, the senior um, figures uh, in part of our leadership in, um, in the state um, actually took the high ground. The board stood their ground. Um, you know, the threats to damage students or campuses, the legislature did not do that. We had a, a incredible partnership. I want to thank the legislature in 17, all right. 19. So anyway, it all got to that, but, but that's what was going on. So interestingly, then just uh, shortly after that, I am then charged with sexual harassment accusations, okay, just a couple of days later. And so that's why the survey was done. Um, my boss, uh, the chair of the board, very judicious and with wisdom, uh, provided um, this direction. It was done. As you can see, it was brutally honest, right? There was nothing taken out. It was awkward, as some of the things yeah. that were said. And uh, the survey was given to her because it was not for contract renewal, okay? Uh, somebody tried to make a point the board wasn't looped. It was for an input to my eval, which she did. And uh, and so that was part was of it, was this Was this like, memo placed in your personnel file? Pardon me? Was this memo placed in your personnel file? Um, I I don't know where where it was placed. I never my fingers never touched it. It was all done between the okay. uh, the compliance people. I had and, I, um, I, I, and um, my bosses, I, so I never saw I, I, we, we, of, we, uh, we, how it got. We, 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 we under we understand the context and everything, but some of the accusation I had it confirmed by Board of Higher Ed uh, former Board of Higher Ed Chair Kathy Nessett also. Uh, former governor, former UND president uh, Ed Schaefer also told me that he counseled you about some of your behavior in front of staff, about uh, some of the language and, and, and maybe some of some of the mannerisms and demeanor. Do you regret any of that? that? Yeah. Well, just to give context, remember it was it was not just that charge moment on the 10th of June where I, I, I needed to make sure we we had a political involvement, but also the thing you reported on the Bashani thing was going on which was incredibly charged. And so there's like one line in there saying, you know, the chancellor, you know, doesn't know the way forward. I had two unprecedented events, and I'll admit I had never dealt with a highly politicized election cycle exerting pressure on me or a president that, you know, some board members said, don't challenge him. You know, in the end, uh, it turned out there were some misrepresentations of his situation. So it was very difficult during that time. And I did take the advice of um, President Schaefer, who was, you know, standing in his own, uh, Chair Nesset, uh, Don Morton, they counseled me. We talked about this stuff, and I realized, you know, military, you know, stronger voice and uh, whatnot um, isn't really appropriate uh, and uh, much more bureaucratic, laid back. Um, but, you know, there's big issues. It's a public trust of money, of billions of dollars, and public trust with our children and legal ramifications. So, so I've, I've you know, improved on that, uh, and that was the purpose. But the main purpose of the survey was, was there sexual harassment and those accusations were debunked, and there were things in the report that were that were, um, yeah. you know, I mean, so that's the context and why it's coming out should, now I a should... year and three months later. I mean, that's my question to you: Why is it coming out now a year and three months later? I, I'm afraid they're trying to. Well, I think I think because you, well, I, I think I think because you just terminated somebody, and and some of the early reports I saw was that uh, Dr. Feldner allegedly made derogatory comments. Uh, she was fired, uh, university system folks telling me very abruptly, yet you were in a similar situation using language that was probably inappropriate in the workplace and got, got a process and got an opportunity to improve. And I think people are wondering why Dr. Well, Feldner again, wasn't Dr. afforded Feldner the, the was same opportunity. Fired, um, without cause, right? That, that is without cause. And she can move on mm -hmm. and do her thing. You're allowed to make changes to the team. And, uh, and so I wish her best. 
And uh, I was under, you know, a three-year contract type of thing. I wasn't up for renewal. I took the feedback and uh, and worked on it. The board renewed me, you know. Uh, and so it's a different different type of uh, contract um, situation. Uh, so, but what I want to make the point is there's been attempts to politicize how my boss handled that, and that's my biggest concern: attempts to politicize uh, an yeah. upstanding person who did everything right. And they're now trying to imply in some ways uh, it wasn't. So that's one of the key things um, that I want to get across to you is that uh, is that 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 is is unlike un- unfortunate to try to politicize something a year and three months later uh, for purposes that are, are really disappointing. So well, uh, nobody I mean, it, it's it's not it's not like that memo was made to the public. And I, I think there are some reasons to question why that memo why that memo wasn't put before the board. But, Chancellor, we are out of time. I literally have 30 seconds left, so I have to let you go. All right. Thank well, you for your time thank today. You Appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. All right. That's uh, Chancellor Mark Hagerot. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob. Report on 970 WDAY AM, 93.1 FM. Busy first part of the show. We had Chancellor Mark Hagerot on. And, uh, you know, I mean, some controversy around some of the decisions he makes. Listen, I like Chancellor Hagerot. I-, I like him a lot. I think he's got a lot of good ideas for the university system. But, I, I mean, I-, I-, I don't know. Um, I think, and, and this is what my Sunday column is going to be about. I, I mean, I, I really think we, we have got to change the governance structure of, of the university system. We just do. Uh, the legislature tried it a few years ago. They put a constitutional amendment on the statewide ballot. It failed miserably, mostly because the lawmakers who put it there, including House Majority Leader Al Carlson, uh, didn't really do anything to support it, right? Meanwhile, the universities, uh, through their, their supposedly separate uh, foundations, uh, went to bat, spent a bunch of money to fight it. So, of course, when only one side of the argument's being made in front of the public, the public's probably going to vote that direction. But we got to change it. I, I mean, I, I think ultimately what happens is, is there's no accountability in the university system. There really isn't. You know, I mean, we have a, we have a board, uh, but the board's kind of a limp noodle, right? You know, I, I think we do have some good leaders in the university system now. I, I think Chancellor Hagerout's one of them. I, I think he's just got to watch how we make some of these decisions sometimes because I mean, listen, the, the perception, even, even if he's right, even if he's 100% right in, in the firing of, of Dr. Lisa Feldner uh, and in the hiring of uh, Philip Weiskup, even if these things are not related to one another, they have the appearance that they are. And the appearance of impropriety is sometimes as bad as the actual impropriety. So I don't know. I hope he does better. Uh, let's see. Healthcare debate raging. Senator John McCain saying he cannot support the Graham Cassidy bill, which honestly, I, I think that, I think the bill might be dead. Jimmy Kimmel teeing off on the bill. And can we just talk for a moment? Jimmy Kimmel has no flipping idea what he's talking about. He has, he has sort of positioned himself and Senator Cassidy very stupidly engaged with, uh, with, with Jimmy Kimmel and, and elevated his ranting about healthcare. Uh, up to a level where, where people should take it seriously, and now Kimmel has turned around and helped torpedo Cassidy's bill uh, because, you know, the American people are, are lemmings and like to listen to whatever dumb celebrities have to say about important health care policies. Um, I, you know, I, I was listening to some of Kimmel's rants. You know, some of the things he says, um, for instance, he said uh, that uh, 
you know, Republicans are, are just doing a handout to the insurance industry, that it's just these big corporations and everything, and they're just doing a handout to them. And yet 1,300 insurance companies under the umbrella of America's health insurance plans, a leading insurance group, opposed the Graham-Cassidy bill, right? I mean, there's all sorts of insurance companies that, that are opposing this bill. The insurance industry hates it. The healthcare industry hates it. It's just amazing. I mean, Kimmel said that, that this is, Graham Cassidy is some sort of a sop to the insurance industry. Well, that was true. Why does the insurance company industry hate the bill? Right? I mean, we're talking about, oh, there's all these millions of Americans that are going to get kicked off their health insurance. Well, that's if you only look at one side of the equation. Right? I mean, yeah, Graham Cassidy ends the individual mandate. It ends the business mandate. Okay? So... Let's say it ends the, the, the individual mandate, and because of that, millions of Americans choose not to have insurance anymore, right? Because that was a big chunk of the uninsured number prior to Obamacare. A big chunk of them were people who had insurance available to them of one form or another through an employer, or they could afford it, or uh, they could get it through some sort of a government program. They had it available to them. They just didn't use it because they didn't want to pay for it, or they didn't think they needed it or whatever. And you and I can have our opinions about what that decision is. But saying that Graham Cassidy kicks those people off health insurance when all they're doing is choosing not to have health insurance for themselves, making that choice for themselves, that's not anybody getting kicked off insurance. And yet to count those people in the numbers is dishonest. I mean, it's it's amazing to watch Democrats rally this. I mean, even here locally, we're seeing all these letters to the editor pop up in the paper all of a sudden. Oh, it, this is terrible. Shame on Republicans for supporting this. Ah, blah, 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 blah. And this is why we can't get anything meaningful done in Washington, D.C., right? Because the minute somebody puts a proposal on the table, we can't, you know, and we're going to try to have a debate across party lines and build some sort of a bipartisan consensus. People pull out the long lives. Look at Senator Heidi Heitkamp. Is there anyone in North Dakota who is a bigger flipping blowhard about bipartisanship and working together and being a centrist moderate than Heidi Heitkamp? And yet, when it, when when the progressive left, when the left wing of her party wants to come out and lop the head off some Republican proposal, where is she lining up? Right alongside them. She's not out trying to improve the bill. She's not out trying to fix this. She's out there playing the partisan. Look at the North Dakota Democratic Party. They're doing the exact same thing. Because it's not about policy. It's about team sports for these morons. Graham Cassidy is good legislation only insofar as that it pushes this debate back to the states. Where maybe we could avoid some of this national folder all. Some of these, some of these, you know, uh, finger pointing and this stupid rhetoric and jimmy dumbass kimmel on television acting like he knows what's going on jimmy kimmel doesn't have a clue 701-293-9000-888-970-9329 email talk at wday.com we'll be back right after this don't go away Welcome back, Rob. Report on 970 WDAY AM, 93.1 FM. I, I'm tired. I, even whatever your position is on the health care law, 
And by the way, Kyle, I didn't even mention this. Kyle's sitting in for Natil today. Yes, Boy, I am. Whatever your position on on this healthcare law, I, I'm just I am tired of numbskulls like Jimmy Kimmel being elevated in this debate as if he knows what the hell he's talking about. And he's, he's allowed to say things that are demonstrably untrue to his audience of millions and millions of people, and nobody calls him on it. Right. I mean, yeah, but this goes back in politics for however many years. I mean, with, with famous people on both sides, they will get yeah. manipulated by it, someone that they will watch on their television late at night rather than a politician in their state or it, it, in Repo- their- and Republicans don't have a lot of room to talk because they elected Donald Trump, a celebrity, as president, right? That was their candidate, and Americans elected him. And he um, he says demonstrably untrue things all the time. But he is also the president of the United States, and there's all sorts of people writing about that. But yet Jimmy Kimmel jumps in, and he cries on television. And listen, uh, Jimmy Kimmel and his son, I mean, that was a very touching story. I'm glad his son is okay. But the world is full of tragic stories, and we're going to go broke if we try to prevent every single tragedy from happening because the world is a fallen imperfect place some bad things are going to happen we can't prevent them all we'll go broke if we try what we got to do is 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 provide the the best policy that's going to allow people to solve problems and live their lives and care for themselves and care for their families in in the best way possible that's what we've got to try to approach i think that's what republicans are honestly trying to do and i'm just tired of the long knives coming out every time somebody puts a serious proposal on the table and then it gets dismissed oh they're just doing the work of the insurance companies well the insurance company industry hates the bill I mean, maybe maybe that's a maybe that's a, an avenue to, to explore, right? If people are so, if they hate the insurance industry so much, and believe me, I play I pay insurance premiums too. I understand some of the dissatisfaction, but if that's such an issue, right, that where the insurance industry comes down on it, maybe maybe we should explore why they don't like Graham Cassidy. Maybe we shouldn't just take Jimmy Kimmel's word for it when he doesn't know what he's talking about. Ah. Oh. Yeah, just so it happens, it just so happens that his tragedy has a platform when a late night talk right. show. So then he gets to go on and and give his story because it's his show, and then people I, I was, are going to eat just, that up. It, I was just talking to somebody who, because of Obamacare, their health insurance costs went up nine thousand dollars a year. Now I, I understand they don't have a health malady; they don't have a child who was you know in in danger, but. Uh, you know, nine thousand dollars a year out of a family budget—that's a lot of cash, right? That—that's—that's that's a lot of pressure on mom and dad to keep making ends meet in that family to keep that family budget afloat. What about their story? Do they not matter? They don't have a—they don't have a late-night talk show and ten million followers on Twitter. I guess they don't matter. It's—it's <sighs> it's frustrating, Kyle, and it's—it's—and it's—it's not even about your position on the bill, right? I get it. Maybe Graham Cassidy's not for you. Maybe you think different things, and maybe you support Bernie Sanders' idea, right? And by the way, why isn't anybody pointing out that Bernie Sanders' idea is going to create trillions of dollars in additional spending obligations, right? It's—it's it's Medicaid for all. We can't afford Medicaid for the people who are already on Medicaid. The program is already insolvent and represents trillions of dollars worth of future liabilities we can't pay. We can't tax Americans enough money to pay those future liabilities. But now we're going to expand that program? Right? Where's Jimmy Kimmel on that one? If he's going to be derisive of the Republican proposal, then turn around and be similarly derisive of the fiscal fairy tale that Bernie Sanders is trying to tell us with his single-payer proposal. I mean, at the very least, if you're going to wade into this debate, 
and treat us all to your half-informed, lightly-informed, moronic utterings about health insurance policy. At least do us the courtesy of calling out absurdity on both sides. At least. I don't know. Did I just make you mad? I trashed your man, Bernie Sanders, Kyle. <laughs> well, I was just going to stay out of it because I, I agree with Bernie Sanders' idea. And I know that it, it, the money... How do yeah, you pay for it? Exactly. That's... That's the question that I would have for him. How would you pay for it? I mean, the only way that you could pay for it is you'd have to slash spending in other places of the government in order know. to pay I for don't, that. I don't, think, I don't think we can slash enough spending and raise taxes high enough to afford it. Well, I think, I think there's a lot of spending that's being done on certain things like defense and military that we don't need to be doing just because we want to be the, yeah, the biggest I mean, defense there is in, yeah. on the world, on the planet. I think, well, I, mean, maybe, of, maybe, I think there's maybe billions there of dollars I mean, I, worth of spending with with yeah. with defense and everything else where we have to. You're be not going to hear me gripe about cutting spending. You're not going to hear so, me gripe about cutting spending. I'm all and for it. And I think it. if Let's we can the- we can we can take that money that we're putting towards defense and military and things like that, we can actually funnel it back into say healthcare for disabled veterans or veterans that come back and things like that and for we medicare for all we have the va but yeah, i know I but mean, i mean we have the va if we <laughs> can do as a, as a shining example of government run healthcare if we, we have can the VA, make so. it better i mean that's that's yeah. that would be well, the step then the i'm not i mean i'm not against that i mean mostly i just i i think it's best just to leave people alone to solve healthcare problems on their own i i think i think most people are capable of it i mean honestly we do have most people are are pretty self-reliant most people take care of themselves to take care of their own families right and, and they're the people who don't get talked about because when we have these debates we zero in on the people on the margins and, and trust me i understand uh you know we need to have safety nets for those people i don't want to kick anybody to the curb i don't want to leave anybody out in the street starving or, or not getting the care that they might need but that is a relatively small portion of the population most people most people are self-reliant most people take care of themselves we need to stop abusing those people. Safety nets, yes, let's have that debate. But let's just let's just get out of the way and let most Americans take care of themselves. What's so wrong about that? Jay Thomas show coming up next. That's it for me this week. Hey, remember starting next week on Wednesday, this show will be 12 to 2. That's going to be a lot of fun. But until then, you can always catch me here on 970 WDYAM 93.1 FM from 1 to 2 p.m. For 24 hours a day, 7 days a week at SayAnythingBlog.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk again.